The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by HotMovies.com. Try out some ethical, paid-for porn for free with none of those hidden fees or secret subscriptions when you sign up at HotMovies.com and use the promo code MANHOR. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Shout out to all the Uber hoes and Lyft Lotharios. This is Billy Presida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Hey everyone, how you doing? Welcome back to the show. I am your host, comedian Billy Presida, and this week, holy shit, I'm not going to bury the lead here. This week I've got on the all-star, the rock star, the, the intersectional superhero, Feminista Jones, everybody is on the show this week, and I cannot wait to share her with y'all in a bit. But first, get them hot. Get them dates. Show dates. (laughs) Get them hot. (laughs) All right, everybody. Tour to Manhor, as you know, tickets are on sale. You can get your pre-sale discounted tickets for just $10. Isn't it worth $10 to get me to a city near you? You know the deal. We sell 20 tickets in a city, and I'm coming to that city. But if you don't sell enough tickets... By March 30th, I ain't coming there. And I just want to give a little, I want to give a little bit of a shout out to the cities in the lead right now. Y'all, y'all want to know who's in the lead? Because I'm really, I'm excited to see which city gets activated first. Right now, uh, in the lead is Detroit. Shout out to Motown. Uh, then we got a, a tie in second place with Chicago, Dallas, and Miami. In third place, we're, uh, we're at Washington, D.C., in fourth is Memphis and Pittsburgh, and fifth place is San Francisco. So those are the cities currently like uh, closest to activation. But hey, any of these cities can happen. All we gotta do is sell twenty tickets. That means Portland can happen. That means Columbus, Ohio can happen. Minneapolis, which honestly I thought was gonna be the first one to sell twenty tickets, anything can happen. Okay, so just go to manhorpod.com/tour. To bring me to a city near you. I swear to Mother Jesus, if on April 1st I get an email saying, Oh, hey, you know, when are you going to come to Portland? And that person did not buy a pre sale Portland ticket, I'm going to strangle them through my keyboard. slash tour. And do you want to stay up to date with all the latest Manhor podcast news? You want to know when Manhor Con tickets are on sale? You want to know if there are any special deals or discounts for said ManhorCon? Sign up for my mailing list. Go to manhorpod.com uh, and you'll see a nice little sign up button there. My guest, Feminista Jones, and I, we had a discussion. Uh, in, in, our, in our talk, we, we did discuss the concept of there are no heroes. Um, call out culture versus call in culture versus, you know, um, cancel culture. No matter who you look up to, that person has done something shitty. I do find that the left, a lot of progressives, especially the sex-positive world, you know, does not take kindly to imperfect humans. The problem is, a lot of those people expressing that discontent are also imperfect humans. For those of you who do not follow, uh, you know, the super, super niche news of sex-positive blogs... Franklin Vo uh, was called out recently. Uh, it's been going on, I think, a couple weeks or so, something like that. 
I, I research enough to know what's going on. Don't research enough to write down a date. You know, that, that gives you an idea. If you don't know who Franklin Vo is, uh, neither does most of the country. But you might recognize his books. Franklin is one of the co-authors of More Than Two, which is considered like uh, kind of like the poly New Testament. If the ethical slay is the Old Testament, More Than Two is considered like New Testament of the poly Bible, right? Seen as a leader in the community. Well, uh, someone posted a me- an article or a blog post on Medium um, calling out and pointing out emotionally abusive behavior, some really shitty behavior that Franklin has allegedly committed against his past partners, plural. What you, Look, you can read it. I'll put a link to the article in the show notes, but basically, like, probably a bit of a shitbag, maybe a bit duplicitous, probably an unethical twat. That may not seem super newsworthy, except... If you only read the reactions to this news, if you only read what I read in certain Facebook group communities or what I see on Twitter, is a lot of people are devastated by this. Hurt, um, saddened, you know, not j- obviously for these um, for, for these past partners of his, but also, you know, this is a person we, who is held in high esteem and is, is a fallen star, so to speak. There are no heroes. And if you read these posts, if you read these tweets and, and stuff and read these reactions, you would think this guy was a serial rapist. The language used, a lot of abuser language was was used in all these posts. And I hadn't read the initial post yet. So I just knew, oh, dude did something. And I've seen a picture of him. Honestly, I could have told everybody that the guy with unironic bunny ears is up to some shit. But then I read what the accusations were and... uh it was just, he seems to be a shitty partner. Now, that may seem like I'm diminishing what happened, but the problem is I was prepared for some horrific shit. The, the language around Franklin Vo was just like abuser, 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 abuser. I hear abuser, I have thoughts in my head. I'm thinking sexual assault. I'm, I'm thinking a consent violation. I'm thinking, and this is what I don't like about the current climate of just call it, of call out culture is that they overplay their hand because if I think like someone raped somebody and then I read that he was just a really, really, really shitty boyfriend, I'm going to go, oh, I guess he was only a piece of shit. If you had just told me, if, if you'd use the language of what he actually did, if you stopped trying to use a buzzword and just said, yeah, Franklin Vaux does X, Y, and Z, I would be like, wow, what a twat. What a piece of shit. What, a, what I think you, you Brits would call a dumb cunt, right? But because I was given this one expectation and then the realization it was something lesser than, still terrible, still bad, still don't do that, still should maybe be yelled at a bit, but not as bad as the R word. When you set this expectation with your language and then this is the reality, I'm not going to be as outraged. I'm not going to have the same visceral reaction I would have had if you just said like, yo, he, this is like his pattern of behavior with like all of his past you know his, his, with a lot of his past partners now we'd be like wow what a piece of shit instead of oh he's only a piece of shit do you see the difference there are no heroes though and i talk about this with feminista jones you know she you'll hear her describe you know oh if you saw my group chat i'd be canceled so hard and that's because we're imperfect beings and i'm very weary of someone who holds moral high ground all the time let me put it this way 
if you're spending most of your digital energy, most of, not any, but most of, on callouts for non-physically abusive behavior, I'm a little suspect of you. I'm like, what are you hiding? Let me get your phone unlocked for like a few hours. Give me the name of a few of your exes. Let's see what their chat logs look like with you, okay? I'm sure I can find some terrible, horrible things to screenshot. That doesn't mean I think you need to be put away. I think that just means you're imperfect. But those people, they don't like to, they don't live public lives. They live um, as public judges, but they do not live public lives. They keep the bad shit they do to themselves. They'll sometimes sprinkle out some like low, low grade bad stuff. They'll say, I misgendered someone who I did not use, know use they, them pronouns. And as soon as they told me, I totally used it. It's like, that's not your worst thing. That's not the worst thing you've ever done. Whatever the worst thing you've done is, you keep that to yourself. You don't put that on the internet. And I'm not saying I'm some sort of like a role model. But I do try to live publicly. And that means failing and succeeding publicly. As many of you who follow me on Twitter know. But I think it, it, it discredits things when you are overplaying your hand and saying this guy's an abuser, this guy's an abuser. I'm not saying emotional abuse is an abuse, but you it's so disingenuous to say that because you know when you say the word abuser or you say abuse, there's you know there's an image in our heads. You know we're picturing physical crimes. Warm vibes to the uh, women going through this with, uh, with Franklin Vaux. Publicly and privately, that, that can't be easy or fun, especially in such a niche, small community as the sex positive community. So, you know, wishing you all some strength and the people who are being really loud on your behalf. I wish they were better ambassadors for you. This week, we've got one hell of a show with Feminista Jones. Holy shit. And th- this is coming after last week's also killer episode with Mandy B from the Horrible Decisions podcast. I don't know if you remember, but Mandy B was saying like, ah, she really wants to see some porn with black men getting pegged. That was the type of porn she wanted to see because she doesn't fuck white guys. She likes using strap-ons and she's like, I'm having trouble finding this porn. And I was trying to tell her hotmovies.com has got everything, everything. It's all there. I said, hey, you want black dudes getting pegged by black women? I can find that. At hotmovies.com, which is also our wonderful, awesome, feel-good sponsor of the Man Whore Podcast. Yeah, hotmovies.com not only is an affordable, ethical way to hashtag pay for your, some of your porn uh, as a pay-per-minute porn site, but like it's also just, I love their search function. I search black men pegging, and what did I find? Strap on black bitches, do dat booty time. Released in 2006 by Extraordinary Pictures. So that's what I'm saying. You can find anything you want at hotmovies.com. And Hot Movies wants to give you some bonus minutes because you listen to the Man Whore podcast and you like to support the brands that support me. And this one ain't even asking for your money yet. They want to give you a 40-minute free trial. Yes, all you got to do is go to hotmovies.com, sign up for the free trial, and use promo code MANHORE. That'll turn your 20-minute trial into 40-minute trial. And hey, if you're ready right now to put your money where your balls are and you want to get some minutes, use promo code MANHORN and you will get 20 extra minutes on top of any package you sign up for. 
One more time, that's hotmovies.com, promo code MANHOR for 20 extra minutes. You can go watch Strap on Black Bitches, Do Dat Booty Time, which honestly sounds like the name of like a parody song in Tropic Thunder. I don't know. All right, everybody. Before I get to my guest this week, Feminista Jones, it's time for the Fan Whore Appreciation Moment. Going to do that real quick. Yeah, this is the part of the podcast where I like to thank a couple of fan whores who support the Man Whore Podcast by uh, hashtag pay for your content on Patreon. Patreon is a fan club subscription service, so you get to become a member of my fan club and receive a slew of great rewards, including bonus episodes of the Man Whore Podcast, access the sex-positive discussion groups on Facebook and Kick, and you get a shout-out here on the show. So right now, I want to give a shout-out to Justin Senda. What's up? Yeah, you are um, you're very well-received in the peep show, I've been noticing, especially on Flagpole Friday. Welcome to the club, buddy. Thanks for supporting the show. Also want to give a thanks to King Lef. I want to send a big non-sexual hug your way, sir. Whether you want that non-sexual hug or not. Okay, that's not cool to say. But <laughs> look, you he knows what I'm talking about, even if you don't, everybody. Hey, dude, thank you for your penance. Glad you're enjoying the show. And you too can become a member of my fan whore community for as little as $1 a month. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. And now for this week's guest, Feminista Jones. I feel like when you say her name, you should be actually saying Feminista fucking Jones. FJ's in the house, everybody. Um, oh my gosh, if you do not follow her on Twitter, you need to write this second, pull up your Twitter app or Instagram or Facebook and go click like, go click follow. But you need to be following this woman. She is not only so much fun, but she's just a wealth of information and knowledge about so many awesome topics, whether it's sexuality, intersectional feminism, uh, social justice, activism, sliding into Instagram DMs. She kind of, she low key seems to know all about that. Um, <laughs> I had so much fun. I went out to Philadelphia to record with her. This is kind of a big get for me, at least. Big fan of what she does. She's got a new book out right now called Reclaiming Our Space, uh, which you can go get at reclaimingourspace.com. And now let's get to my conversation with Feminista fucking Jones. Oh, you got to go to the hood. No, you definitely have to go to the hood. Why? What happens? That's in the where hood? you get all the good stuff. Like you know, and 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 it's unfortunate because like there's obviously disparities. You know, you you go into the upper class kind of uh, dancing joints, and they there's no touching, and it costs more, and things like that. You go to the hood spots, you get you a longer lap dance for less money, and it's probably a body that looks better. So you know. <laughs> I don't know. I like I like the hood spots. So. But then how do you how do you uh differentiate between like taking advantage of that disparity? Right, right, exactly. Um for me I just feel like these women that are generally dancing in those spots don't have access to the other spots. Mm-hmm. So like I don't feel like I'm taking advantage and I give more, you know? Yeah. So I feel more comfortable. I would rather give a black stripper, you know, a hundred dollars then you know, and knowing that she's not gonna get access to the club that'll automatically probably make her a thousand dollars a night. I'd rather just do that. And it's more fun. The environment is more comfortable. So I don't know. 
It's weird. It's a weird negotiation. So yeah, for um, someone with as many principles as you, I feel like I, you... I don't have that many principles. No, uh, you see, I, mean, I don't know. From your Twitter feed, it seems like you got a lot. I do. You know what? Here, so here's the thing. It's like when you and I talk about this, like in my book, uh, about this idea of of Twitter platforms kind of being like a pulpit, right? Mm-hmm. And when we get to say what comes to our mind, we get to say our own thoughts about what's going on. And when you are kind of in these echo chambers, which a lot of us are in, mm. it's the same conversations, right? And so it may seem like, wow, this person is really, you know, convicted about a lot of things. But really, if you count it, I'm only talking about like three or four different things. When it comes to other stuff, you know, a lot of stuff that you, you choose what you share, yeah. right? So stuff that I may not share as openly you know, people have no idea about a lot of people don't know that I gamble regularly, mm. you know, I, don't know that I'm good at it. Right. <laughs> you know, so it's I don't I don't necessarily like go on Twitter and say, hey, guys, I just took one hundred and fifty dollars that, you know, you all donated to me and turned it into five hundred because I don't want people to think I'm being like wasteful or what have you. But see, my version of that is I don't want to say, hey, I took uh, that, you know, that five hundred dollars and then uh, lost it. Mm. Every- mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I think that that's. uh you know, you, you pick and choose what it is, but it, you will, because of that, anyone will seem really principled because we decide what it is we're going to share. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're going to share the things that make us look good. Yeah. Right. Um, I also, I write about that as well. This idea of a problematic favorite, right? This person that you look up to and admire who may say these problematic things or do these problematic things. And I think that, you know, with this, all this talk of like cancel culture and stuff, I don't think that it pushes people to necessarily learn or be better. I think that it pushes people to be more silent, mm. right? Because that's that's what social mores have always been about. When we talk about racism right now, like, and, and this may be a little off track, but when we talk about like Trump and racism and all this stuff and, you know, people are just being so openly racist and whatever. I was like, well, these people have always been racist. But there was a time where it was really not cool to be publicly racist, yeah. <laughs> you know? like, And that's kind of how social mores work we shame people into silencing their bigotry but with social media coming about and people being able to be anonymous we're being reminded exactly who people are and we are flawed and and i think that there's this expectation of perfection that i'm like if you guys hung around me for a day you would either be like wow she's really real and i like her even more or you'd be like, I'm so disappointed in you. <laughs> right. There are no there are no heroes. Like there no, are no heroes. No. And I think that even the people who like to do the calling out, like if I had their phone, mm-hmm. I could find plenty of, of shitty text messages. Of course. Oh my gosh. Don't ever look at a at a a group chat, right? Uh, my friend posted on Facebook, it's like, if your group chat isn't like a burn book, are you really even friends? You know? <laughs> it's like it's like, you know, I'm not going to put this thought on Twitter because I have a hundred and fifty whatever thousand followers and some of them are gonna be like really pissed off. And it's like not that I'm necessarily saying anything horrible, but I just don't wanna deal with it. Sure. You know, because I've I've learned that in, Everything I say is going to offend somebody somewhere, even if I don't mean to. And it's helpful when people like give me feedback and say, you know what, FJ, just want to let you know, you may not be aware, but this is problematic in this way versus I hope you die, bitch. 
Like, yeah. <laughs> I hope you fall off of the roof, bitch, and die tomorrow. I'm like, well, wait, what did I do? It's such a creative. It's such a creative yell. Like, I didn't know. <laughs> you know, um, I've had that. Like things with um, related to uh, transgender people, things were um, related to indigenous native folks. Like this whole like bottom of the totem pole thing. I didn't know that that was offensive to people. And I and I had someone say, you know, FJ. That's something that's kind of offensive to us. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize this. And, and just thinking about how our language is, I was like, I won't say that anymore. And it's, it's that simple. But then it could have gone a different way, which I think happens a lot with folks. It's like, you stupid bitch, you should know better that it's not a totem pole. And then somebody gets defensive and they're like, well, I'm a fucking say totem pole anytime I want. It's a, it's a, it's a reaction when people are backed against the wall. And we have this expectation that everyone is going to be challenged with grace Mm -hmm. and that they're going to respond in kind. That's not how humans work, you know? So when you have a lot of visibility, you have to be very mindful of your reaction because sometimes people come at me and I really want to be like, I hope you fucking choke, you stupid motherfucker. (laughs) But I can't type that. (laughs) So I go to my group chat and I'll screenshot and I say, I hope this person fucking dies of jokes, you know? We're all problematic in that way. Yeah. I do. I like to do that too. I like to, if I have a tweet I want to send out, mm-hmm. I just like, I'm going to just text that to somebody. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes mm-hmm. I just need to type it and hit send somewhere. Yep. And this doesn't just have to, to be get it to out. everybody. Just to get it out because, yeah. you know, and, and if you put it out in a space where you have so many eyes on you, it can make or break you, right? If you're the wrong person. And I, I find that black women are the, the ones who receive it the worst. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think of like this whole thing right now with Liam Neeson and, him coming forward and saying, you know, I used to fantasize about killing black men because my friend told me she was raped by a black person versus, you know, Jamel Hill tweeting something like, get your hand out my pocket. Now they're all saying she's trying to kill the president. And it's like, are you kidding me right now? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and she's apologizing and then she's got hundreds of responses, you know, telling her I'm calling the secret service on you and all this other stuff. But these same people are saying, well, you know, he, he at least he admitted it. We should forgive him. And, no. See, maybe that's the echo chamber because, like, my my feed is not saying maybe we should forgive him. I like to think of like I think we should contextualize what was said right. and, t- and, and take it in accordingly. But you know, my echo chamber of Twitter is is a lot of like he was trending for the wrong reasons. Yeah, and that's why I almost like purposefully follow a lot of different types of people. Oh, thank you. Um, I will try to catch up. <laughs> uh, well, the wine pouring you just heard uh, came we, from. We've killed a bottle of wine. Salute <laughs> from the wonderful feminista Jones. Yes, we are uh, drinking wine. Yeah, you know when you t- when you're saying how like you know there's people being quiet now. Mm-hmm. With the, and that's what Chappelle's talking about in mm-hmm. the Bird Revelation. He's mm-hmm. talking about it's like we can yell at them, but if there's no room for them to you know come out and admit what happened and us to work through that mm-hmm. then we're just going to be quiet he's you know he, and then he compared it to apartheid he's like yeah. everyone just came and said what they did mm-hmm. the truth and reconciliation mm-hmm. uh, committee no i think i think what's interesting there it's so nuanced right um and particularly because i'm i'm existing at this intersection of you know black and woman and so we look at a situation like what's happening in virginia right now right mm-hmm. you've got these people that were found to have worn blackface Right. But then you have a black man who's being accused of sexual assault. Mm. And I tweeted, I was like, listen, black women, you don't have to answer this because they're going to gaslight you. It's okay. You don't have to give an opinion because it's like you've got the blackface issues over here, which affect us as black people. And then you've got the sexual assault of a woman that affects us as women. And you're going to have. And there's a third one. 
the next one down also had something out yeah, too, yeah, yeah. right? Like There's, I don't even know what that was. It's so much stuff, and it's just kind of like, well, what's the standard? Is it wrong to be, you know, violent and bigoted and treat people wrong, or is it not? Because if that's the standard that we're using, then we need to look at Fairfax's, you know, sexual assault accusation with the same care and concern as we're looking at Northam's blackface or, you know, whoever else's. And it's like, as black women, it's this negotiation. It's like, we're expected to choose one Mm -hmm. or to prioritize one. And it's like, we want to do both, but I'm telling like, let's do neither. Cause fuck it. Like we're always doing all this work. And so why? And so I'm, I'm watching this whole thing and I'm watching people who were upset at Northam talk about, well, it's just an accusation and, and how do we know what happened and were we there and da, 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 da. And I'm like, well, Northam's telling you that he doesn't even know it was him. Why aren't you saying the same thing about him? You automatically believe and condemn him because even though he's saying it may not have been me, Fairfax is saying I may not have done that and you believe him. Mm-hmm. So what is happening there? And so for me, I'm just like, you know what? This is why I keep wine in the house. That's <laughs> why I keep wine in the house and why I smoke and I go on about my business. Yeah, sometimes you just have a nice sweatpants day mm-hmm. on a Thursday. That's it. That's it. And, and it's funny because now that I've been working from home, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I started the book tour. Uh, my book is Reclaiming Our Space, How Black Feminists Are Changing the World from the Tweets to the Streets, by the way. Um, <laughs> and it came out last week, doing very well. Book tour started this week. And um, I had three instances where I had to go and like do these uh, talks and I had to put on real clothes. It's been a while. <laughs> Because I, you know, I quit my job in December. Nice. Congrats. Thank you. And so I was like, well, I'm going to take January to kind of rest because I know what's coming. I know that I have like all this stuff coming up. And I've been doing the leggings and sweats thing every day. It's been the best ever. I have like this command post on my couch, which you are now enjoying. Mm -hmm. Each side reclines. It's all <laughs> set up to be like amazing. I got my space heater. You don't even have to tell me you quit your job or you're about to do a book tour to yeah. do that. You just have to like, I just have to see your Twitter feed and your yeah. interactions. I'd be like, that's enough reason to take yeah. a month to relax. Yeah. And I was, yeah. And I was just like, you know what? Um, Cause I'm, I'm turning 40 this year and I have had a job in some capacity since I was 14 mm. and reporting to other people, clocking in kind of thing. And um, I've, I, I, feel like I've paid my debt to society, like being a social worker. I feel Mm -hmm. like I've done a lot. And now I can focus on my one of my passions, which is writing. And so it all kind of lined up pretty well. The adjustment, though, into kind of not having any obligations is a mindfuck. It is a mindfuck. Like you don't have to set your alarm for 730 in the morning to get up. Kind of like being college again. Right. Yeah. And But even with college, like. I, I I had a full load and I worked. Yeah, but, but you didn't have to go to class. You I didn't know, have to no go one's to go, class No one's going to wake you up and make if you If I didn't want to fail, right? <laughs> like yeah. if I wanted, if I didn't want to fail, I had to go. But it's 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 a similar idea, and it's kind of like, well, I don't have homework, right? Right. Listen, when you graduate and you finish school and you don't have homework due. That is like the most, you're like, wait a minute, I don't have to read, I don't have a paper, and then you go back to grad school and you're like, oh, fuck, you know, but I'm I'm in this space, like, I've spent the last month being like, what the fuck, I don't have to set an alarm, I don't have to get up if I don't want to, I can lay in bed for two hours and tweet if I want, <laughs> and I don't have anything to do until 3 p.m. this afternoon, and it's it's been a tough adjustment. You know what's fucked up about mm-hmm. that is when you're lying in bed with, you're like, oh, I'll just tweet for two hours, you can just be like, hey, I'm working. 
This this is technically it's work. Still, it's still work. And then I'm, I'm struggling because it's like, I feel like I have to do something. Like I have to create something. I have to write a blog. I have to write an article or whatever, because I feel like um, I've, I've internalized that if you don't work, you're worthless kind of American uh, value that we put onto people. And I say to my, I'm saying to myself, I'm, I'm learning now. It's like, girl, you can go do a speaking and you go speak to some college kids for like less than an hour and make $6,000. And then go home for a week and relax. Do it. And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I should be doing something else. And, you know, so I started driving Uber. Like, wait, just for shits? Just for shits. That's hilarious. Shits and fucking giggles. I drive Uber now. And I told I told my timeline. And you're like, oh, my God, I wish I could get you as my Uber driver. I'm like, well, if you ain't tipping, I ain't really trying to hear that shit. But I don't, you know, there, there's no real money to be, for me at least, because I don't do it enough. Sure. You know, I do it maybe twice a week. Sure. I like to, I, my friends were like, you got to get out the house. And, you know, you work from home, you sit in front of your computer. And I was like, no, nah, I got to get out the house and talk to people. I started realizing I wasn't moving my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> so I decided to drive Uber. And let me tell you, that shit is wild. It, I used to be an Uber rider. And I'm on the other side and I'm like, this is wild. The men that hit on you, the people that don't tip, the people that want to stop at Dunkin' Donuts, <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, this is wild, but it's really interesting. You might be the second person I've ever heard of that people want, like, go like, oh, I hope I get this person. Mm-hmm. There is a woman on Reddit, Twitter, mm-hmm. Tumblr, et cetera, maybe not Tumblr mm-hmm. anymore now. Um, she is known, I think her name's like Jen Dwar something. Mm-hmm. She's in Seattle. And she drives a blue Prius and she posts these stories yeah. about <clears throat> like basically she just sluts it out as an Uber driver. Yeah. Like she just drives Uber and just like randomly like will blow certain passengers or dudes will hit on her. And she'll be like, okay, like, and she'll take them, like she'll drop them off and then go and fuck up and like shares these incredible stories. Oh, so I have a series called Uber Chronicles. Really? Yeah, on my Patreon. So now I'm writing about it and it's really like people love it. They're yeah. like, oh my gosh. Wait, just- so have you picked up writers? Like have you hooked up with writers? Um, no, uh-huh. <laughs> like I had to think about no. Um, you know what's really I, I've gotten hit on sure. though. Um, well, you exist in the world. I just assume course, that happens. You know, um, and it's really interesting because I I go in sweats. Like I roll out the bed, brush my teeth, you know, wash up a little bit, put on my sweats, get in my get my coffee, and get in my car. And you know, I, I had this one man hit on me while his daughter was there, and I was. I was pissed off. I, I got to admit, you know, it bothered me because the ride was fine. He's taking her to school. I'm all thinking to myself, here's a good dude taking his daughter to school and stuff like that. And on his way out, he's like, so you married? And I was just like, no. And he was like, do you want to be? And I was just like, and his daughter, his like five-year-old daughter is like standing right there, like observing this. And I'm like, dude, what example are you setting for her? You know, what expectations are you laying? Exactly. Out? Yeah. And I'm just like, you could have just easily just got out my car, you know, and um, there was a guy this morning that I was uh, I was driving and he was great conversation the whole time. And he was like, yeah, you know, I got to give you five stars. You're amazing. I'm going to give you a nice tip. And I was like, well, thank you. He's like, uh, so you think I could get your phone number? And I was like, no. <laughs> and and so there was no tip, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I just was like, wow, this is what we have to deal with just i'm just driving uber yeah so you know one of my friends bought me some pepper spray and said he's going to give it to me so we'll see what happens i don't understand why people think that's going to be a thing that we're like i get that this like so that seattle woman like exists but that's not the norm that is one person i've ever heard of 
who like actively is like, no, I am the slutty Uber driver. That's my uh, brand. I love it. Who else is? That's not. I just don't yeah, get. Yeah, I'm or not. When they lead with that. marriage, when they go like, yo, like want to get married. Like I don't get why. Well, that's no, a that, so that's line. a that's a Philly thing, and a lot of that. And then it's funny. Here's an education moment for your Please. your uh, readers. So Philadelphia has like the largest population of Black Muslims in a large city, right? And so a lot of Philadelphia culture is influenced by Muslim culture. And what I've learned is that these men, when they approach women, it's are you married? Because the assumption mm-hmm. is that you're married, either your first wife, second wife, third wife, or sure. whatever. And so they don't even ask, are you single? Mm-hmm. It's, are you married? And that's their approach. And so that's a that's more of a cultural thing here in Philadelphia. Um, and if you're not married, it's, you know, all bets are off. You're right. open to everybody. And so that's what they lead with. I've, I've learned that, you know, so. Are you saying like, so being a single black woman mm-hmm. in Philly, mm-hmm. they'll think like you're just game for anything yeah. in the same way, would you say as like, say when like a poly chick is mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm poly. They're like, oh, she's a slut. She's oh, yeah. yeah no, like, same, mm. same. Like when I would identify as bi and I mean, I transitioned to pansexual because I gained better understanding. Yeah. No, they think that you're just down for whatever, that you're going to fuck anybody possible. Like, you know, and it's like, um, only if I choose to. Yeah. You know, I've, um, you know, I talk openly about sex and sexual. I stopped counting partners at 100. Once I got to 100, I was like, fuck it. Who needs to count anymore? Yeah. You know, um, and that's a mix of, you know, all, various genders or whatever. But it's, I think, I think I am benefiting from ageism at this point because I'm nearly 40. I'm looking older and what have you. And so people are not coming at me in the same way. I, I don't know. I think now you just get the young, like some of the older dudes will stop and now the younger ones will be like yeah. targeting. No, it's, it's, like, it's, so it's really funny. It's both yeah. of those. It's not men my age. Yeah. It's the men in their 50s that want a younger woman, quote unquote. Or it's dudes in or my age. The, the younger dudes yeah. who are like, well, I love older women. Mm. I'm like, well, what do you love about older women? Oh, well, they know what they want and you know, they're all confident and everything and they don't, they don't add, they take care of themselves i was like oh so you're cheap okay all right that's what you're basically saying is you're broken you're cheap and you're looking for a sugar mama i was like there's nothing you can give me outside of your dick so if we're not having any you know you're trying to have conversation i don't you know so i'm on tinder right oh god i am on tinder i don't know why i'm on tinder maybe it's the sadist in me i just like fucking with dudes minds but like i'm on tinder and and twitter for that (laughs) twitter for that no but this i can do really fun um and so like there were these two guys that were just like really trying to meet me and i'm like talking here like i've never encountered anyone like you i'm like i know they're like well can i take you out and i'm like sure and then like two hours before i was like no i don't want to go and they're like well what do you mean i'm busy they're like, oh, well, that sucks. Well, you know, can I, can I, no, I don't want to reschedule. Well, I didn't even get a chance to get, to, I, I don't want to do this. And then they're just like all mad and stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny to me. I don't want to date anybody. Do you, do you just like seeing the entitlement just yes. like drag them down? Yes. Because yeah. they don't take no for an answer. Right. You know, I can say, well, you know what? I don't think I want to do this. You know, you go on your way. I'll get five more message, text messages saying, well, why not? Well, you didn't even give me a chance. Well, what about this? Well, fine. You're, f- you're fucking ugly anyway. Hmm, okay. I don't understand the arguing. And and it, and I'll be honest. Like, mm-hmm. I, pro- I don't think I ever... I rare. I'll say I rarely got to like the angry stage, mm-hmm. but I would often get to that. Most of the time, when I was, especially in like my early twenties, it would be like that inquisitive of the why not. Yeah. But then I realized, like, what am I going to do with that information? Like, what, right. am, what am I going to argue you into fucking me? Like, that's not fun. But that's kind of how it goes, right? That coercion part, and I, you know, I've talked a lot about that. It's like it's we almost teach boys and men that coercion is foreplay. Right. Mm-hmm. And that if a, if a woman volunteers sex, 
something must be wrong with her. So if you're able to coax it out of her, that makes sex more fun, right? Tupac said, I don't want it if it's that easy. And yeah. I think that that's our culture, like what we teach when we talk about rape culture. Oh, rape culture doesn't exist. I get what you're saying. We're not teaching boys to rape, but we are teaching them to one, not take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. Two, to be persistent because women love persistence, right? When really what's happening is that you're wearing them down and you're just like, well, fuck it. You know, you won't get out my face. I might as well. And there are men who take that as a win. And I'm like, I don't know. I fuck women too. And I kind of want them to be enthusiastic about it. Yeah. I don't want a woman to be like, all right, whatever. I want her to be like, hell yeah. And I'm like, I'm trying to understand like, men, why don't you want the hell yeah too? Why, why is okay, fine, whatever acceptable? Like maybe it's because I don't have abs. So like I assume, I assume no one wants to fuck me. I don't have abs either. (laughs) What I'm saying is like, I I never assume (laughs) someone wants to be in bed with me. So I actually really need to, I need to know know that they want to hook up with me. Yeah, they want to hook up. Well, consent is sexy. We're trying to change that. Right. Well, consent, the difference between like the consent is sexy, like, okay, like they are going, they are agreeing to doing yeah. this versus like, I want them to do yeah, this. I yeah. think both are allowable and consensual. I, I think you. one is better sex. I hear you. Uh, but I've literally stopped in the middle of something and be like, Hey, you don't seem into this. Like, what's up? Like, yeah. are you, are you nervous? Yeah. Are you not into me? Like I'll stop a hookup just to be like, what's going do That's a check. What you're I'm, supposed yeah. to do. So you're yeah. a good guy for that. that well, don't, no, 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 don't worry. I'm a piece of shit. Yeah, well, yeah, world. but I mean, you're a good piece of shit <laughs> Yeah, because most don't do that. Right. And I think what I think what's important is that you know the body language, like, mm. I, you know, I've been a woman for almost forty. I've been a girl body, whatever, for almost forty years, and I realized that I feel responsible for communicating either body language or verbally because I'm like these dudes are just not getting it. Yeah. They you can put on shades, headphones, and walk fast. They don't read that as she doesn't want to talk to me. They read that as I gotta try harder. Yeah. And it's like, what else do I have to say? You know, so it's it's interesting. And I've kind of gotten to this place of like, you got to give me a reason to write you into my schedule because shit, I got things to do. And if you're not paying me, what the fuck, dude? (laughs) Well, I would say like, when did you get that confidence to be able to like say in the middle of something what you Mm -hmm. wanted or that you didn't want something anymore? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, was there someone in your life who taught you that at a super young age? Like, when did Mm -hmm. you, when were you able to advocate? Honestly, I think I'm still working on that, right? Because, you know, I have had my experience, negative sexual experiences. Mm-hmm. But I think that, um, I think I'm, because I'm in Aries, I get bored quickly. Oh, don't tell me you believe in the. I do, uh, I do, I do, I do. Um, but here's now the thing. I'm, dis- I'm not disappointed that oh, you might be problematic and disappointed you believe in that. Oh, stuff. no. Well, you know what? You know what? Here's the thing. So I grew up in the church. Okay. And I was like, well, if I can believe that a talking snake told a woman to eat an apple then I should be able to leave, believe some other weird things. But well, you could believe neither. I could, could believe neither, right? You could. Um, no, I, but you know what? I think I think that um, I, I've always been a, a kind of like the universality of things. But I, I do have this personality where I'm just kind of like, I do get bored super quickly. And it's like, you got to catch me quick. And even that's with sex too. It's like, you got about three good minutes to convince me that I need to do this. You're talking like in the just, bedroom type of thing. Yeah. Right? Okay. Like, or just even talking to you. It's sure. like, you got three whole minutes to convince me Open that strong. fucking you is what I want to do. And because I think about my schedule and it's like, I don't have time. So if I'm going to make time for you, it better be worth it. And so I got to schedule sex these days. It's fucking pathetic. 
It's not pathetic. I've been scheduling sex for years. It's so sex. much more efficient. It is efficient. It's efficient <laughs> as fuck. Because even if I'm not in the mood to fuck, I might be down to do something like I'm going to make myself else. be in the mood. Like, it's it's like, I got, okay, Monday yeah. morning, what are you doing? Because it, it's gotten to that point. But um, I think for me, as I, I reached a certain point, I think it was about 8.35, oh. when I was just like, you know what? The casual sex thing, it just bores me. And it bores me more because I don't think that I'm on the same level with the people that I was having sex with. They wanted more from me than I wanted to give. I just wanted to fuck. And they wanted more. And so for me, that whole kind of performance of, oh, sure, I'll see you again, really pissed me off. Mm. So I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) I don't want to do this. So I'd rather just not bother. And I have a really great vibrator. I can find the porn that I want in less than 20 minutes. I know that's a win. And I just gone about my business, quite frankly. So that's unfortunate. No, it's, it's, it's fine. You know, the other thing is groupies. I don't know how it happened, how you become somebody who, like, on social media or as a writer, who knew that writers had groupies? Uh, I feel like there have been groupies for writers ever since, like, you know, Walt Whitman and them. Really? Walt Whitman was out banging boys all over in Lower Manhattan. You know, it's no, this is actually you know true. he's got those beautiful poems like "I can tame multitudes." F- Come find F- out. Scott Fitzgerald was out there too. <laughs> you know, um, but I didn't. Th- I mean, obviously, I'm a black woman writer, and sure. it's like I didn't realize that there would be people that were kind of like sprung, and so I have people in my like Instagram DMs and Twitter messages. Instagram like, DMs are absurd. I currently Completely. don't have my Instagram because Fossa Sesta, and I'm working on that. Right on. I haven't had mine since they took like a bunch of them down right after wow, Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, so. that's real. Um, a number but, of folks I know were affected by that. Yeah. Yeah. But like the DM slides, I was like, wait, wait, I get like, yeah, I've slid in, but like, I'm going to get yeah. slid? Really? Yeah. What? I, I have never, I, I think I slid in one person's DMs and we ended up in a four year relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get these people and I. <laughs> So I'm I'm a sadist, right? I identify definitely as a sadist. And I'm very much an emotional sadist when it comes to men. And so they'll say, you know, hey, beautiful. I'll be like, what do you want? Be still my heart, by the way. They'll be like, they'll be like well, I just, I just wanted to let you know that you're beautiful. I'm like, I know. They're like, well, can I get to know you? No. You know, and I'm just, it's fun for me. Bad but openers. I, just, I did not think that i would have that and so now when i do these speaking engagements and i go on a book tour and stuff people are coming up to me and they're nearly fainting and they're just like oh my god they're sliding phone numbers to me there i was like what the hell is going on <laughs> and i'm and i'm going home by myself so <laughs> but then you don't even need to schedule sex you just know on the calendar i got the speaking I, engagement you, i know if i want to get laid there'll a be friend of mine just said you know well now that you're about to be in all these cities you can make something happen i was like you know what you're right. Yeah. Let me see what's popping in these cities. I'm going to Des Moines. Maybe there's dick in Des Moines. I Allegedly, there's dick in Des Moines. There's dick everywhere. Uh, yeah, but do you really... <laughs> think about what you think Des Moines dick is, and do you really want that? I don't. You want to get like the just the one black dude in Des Moines? Funny. Funny. Uh, <laughs> so so I try not to be discriminatory, but... Try not to? I, I just listened to. to you on Interhoe Uprising being very clear. Yeah, I, I'm just not. Very explicitly <laughs> like, I ain't banging white boys. You know what? Let me tell you something now. So, I, so this one white dude on Tinder, he had potential. <laughs> then he told me he was moving to Florida. And I was like, well, what the fuck are you on Tinder for right now? You're moving to Florida next month. <laughs> 
deactivate. He had potential. He was a South Philly white. A potential. What? A, yeah. a, a South Philly white. That's a thing? That's a thing. What's a South Philly white? A South white? Philly white. This feels like I'm in my living room it's with probably, my roommates no, and they fine. have to explain things so to me. So a South Philly white is probably somebody who has a high school diploma or a GED. Probably went to a technical school of some sort. Vocational yeah. works with his hands. Probably has a good tan because he's out and, you know, doing construction. Uh, he loves the Eagles. Um he probably has some racist tendencies, but he loves fucking, fucking black chicks. Mm. Um, like racist tendencies because he doesn't know better, not because he has. No, because he's a like fucking racist. No, he's oh, got to hate okay. in his heart. I'm, okay. And he probably hate fucks black chicks, which means he's probably really great in bed. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it probably means he's really great in bed. Don't at me. No, right? Don't at me. But so, but I was just, you know, he, he had like. Uh, he had like brown hair and like dark eyes and so i was like oh he's kind of cute you know i had the benicio del toro thing going on and i was like oh he might have, maybe this will be the first time and then he was like i'm moving to florida i was like see that was a sign mm. <laughs> to, mm. to stick with it but you know i i gotta be i gotta be honest i'm not in a dating space but i am open to anyone you know, because at this point, you know, having been married, having been in whatever relationships, I've come to realize that it's like, I know what I want. And that can come in any person. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I was actually like really open to finding love, for example, I would not be as discriminatory as I was maybe 10 years ago. Okay. Yeah. Whereas like two months ago? Two months ago. That inner Oho uprising no, episode but it's was true, really though. recent. But it's so true. Okay, so listen. <laughs> People change. Uh, that's why I try to tell people, but we, they don't we believe grow. me. No, but I mean, if, I, if, if, I'm, if I'm talking about sex, it's one thing. But if I'm talking about like that kind of companionship thing, if I'm going to be honest, it's I'm just kind of at an age. It's like, are you cool? Mm. You respect me? You willing to like do fun shit? Then cool. Do you think that the, the not wanting to fuck white dudes mm-hmm. when you were younger mm-hmm. came from more of like an activist-y headspace than like gen- actual desire? I'm going to be real honest. Like, I'm, trigger warning, I was sexually assaulted by white men. Okay. So that was a hard stop for me. It's like, that is a very triggering thing. But the fucked up thing is I've also been sexually assaulted by black men. So it's like, why do I have that, right? And that's definitely something that I've been really trying to work on processing. It's like, Maybe because we come up in this like idea that white men have been raping black women for centuries, but I'm like, so have black men. So why do I have this? Right. And I think it's this like cultural affinity that's kind of ingrained in you, you know, defend them at all costs. But again, I'm unpacking a lot of that and I'm working Mm -hmm. through a lot of that. So, you know, again, we talk about problematic. It's like, I'm human. Yeah. I have the right to kind of negotiate these things in my mind and, Settle on something that makes me feel good. Mm. That's it. Bottom line. So if there's a white dude that wants to take me out and spend his money on me and give me great back shots, he might be the one. A back shot? Back shots. What's a back shot? Oh, you come the fuck on. You know I, what a back no, shot you, is. Like if you, Face if you, down, ass up. <laughs> I, I didn't know. If the he, amount of times I have to ask my roommates, like, what's that mean? And they'd be like, you're fucking with me. I'm like, I swear. I don't know. I'm very <laughs> No, lame. you know, I, I definitely, I love the doggy style. So if you can gotcha. handle that with all this ass, then you you might you might be a winner. Oh, man. The doggy style changed for me when I realized, and I said this recently mm-hmm. I on, on the show. I was like, when I learned that I could put one knee up. Yes. 
game changer. Yes. I was uh, like, wait, I can get so much deeper and yeah. thrust better? Uh, well, we got, you, oh, can do, you can do both, too. Oh. Like, both. Like, I, so well, I fuck women with straps, well, right? So I'm like, talking, you, I'm talking. I know, I know. This. Yeah, but you can do but both. But then you can do this. You can do that and now, hold on. Well, that's that takes a lot of ass strength that I got to do a lot of I leg days lot to prepare for. I'm saying so, I don't. I you don't. Well, you don't. You yeah. do. I uh, no. It's but you know. It's, it's I can get it's like a a, I can get like thirty seconds get about, of the two foot flat, and, and you got to give your all in that thirty seconds. <sighs> I do. But you know, I I think for me, and I, I mean, I don't know who you be fucking, but like <laughs> I fuck women with big asses, mm-hmm. so it's fun, and I I love that. I love giving and I love receiving that. So. You know, but the thing is, it's funny because like I'm about to turn 40. You're talking about the sexual peak of, you know, women 35 to 40 or whatever. And it's very true. Um, I'm like horny all the time. But at the same time, I'm so discerning because I'm just like, who do I let in my house? First of all, much less my bed. Um, Do I have the time for this? What are you going to be asking me for after? And then between all of that, I'm just like, fuck it. No, I'm good. I'm good. So. Do you have like some regular casual partners you I can do. at least rely upon? I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, then I mean that's good. If you got like one or two good fuck yeah, buddies, I like that's, that's all. I, I schedule. Really I can schedule it, it and yeah. that's all that's that it is. And I'm not asked for more than I'm willing to give, mm-hmm. and I get what I need, and it's good. Yeah. So yeah, I'm busy right now. So yeah. You know. It well, you know, it was interesting. Uh, you know, you brought up the the not wanting to. Like stick with black men versus yeah. the white men, mm-hmm. and and this is all just you know I rewatched yeah. Burr Revelation last night again for the umpteenth time, and that was another aspect he brought yeah. up was that he's like black women have, since slavery won't tell on us. Yeah, we won't, and that's and that's why like sexual assault of black women is so underrepresented. Um, when you look at something like what's happening with R. Kelly, right? Mm-hmm. The ways in which people are condemning all of these. Which things. why is everyone mad now? But I started to interrupt. But like why? No. I, it's like I watched been, Boondocks like ten years ago. Mad, that was we've been mad forever, yeah. and it's like now it's getting the traction, right? Because now, you know, when you watch the the documentary that came on Lifetime, for example, while we were mad, a lot of these women were still involved with him. So it took it's almost like a cult, right? Mm. That you have to kind of get out of it, and then like the the brain, you know, deprogramming and to finally get to a place of being like, okay, I'm confident to talk about this. Um, so I think that that's part of it. It's like without the women speaking about it, we had we had videos, but we didn't have as much to go on. So now people are, and and, and I learned this. You're a different white because most white people were really like, I had no idea about this because I was a big Boondocks fan. Boondocks <laughs> is one thing, but like all white people really knew was, I believe I can fly. And the ignition remix. Sure. Somehow y'all caught that, but he was <laughs> so, y'all caught the remix. So Loki condescending, yeah. but it's it was like the spring break anthem, you know. Right, right. It's the remix to ignition. Y'all love that shit. But between that and I believe I can fly, you know, that's what white people knew of R. Kelly. They didn't really know the rest of it, so they didn't really care. And his victims were not white girls or white women, so they damn sure didn't care. Right. But now it's like on Front Street. Right and Lifetime, which is the network known for exposing psychotic white men, mm-hmm. is featuring I mean, this thing. I was on Lifetime. Oh, you are? Yeah. Psychotic white man or no? White yeah. Man. Well, look at that. There you go. So <laughs> you have proven my point. I'm yes. going to tweet that. I just met one of the psychotic white men from Lifetime, y'all. Proving my point. No, but I mean, I think I think that it's it, it what it takes people to care about, and I've written about this, like the missing white girl syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. White girl goes missing, the world stops. 24-7 news cycle. We have over 60,000 black girls and women missing in this 
country right now. That's 0.03% of the black girl woman population. If 0.03% of the white girl population was missing, do you think that any of this other shit we'd be talking about? Mm-hmm. No. We'd be on a mission to find every single one of them. So this whole R. Kelly thing, you know, you think about someone like Floyd Mayweather. Never met a woman he didn't beat in the face, right? But yet people love watching him box. I'm like, well, who the fuck you think he practices on, mm. right? So it's like, we know these things. We talk about these things, but people don't care. Let Floyd Mayweather get a white girlfriend and punch her in the face. He'll lose everything. <laughs> All of it. He would lose everything, right? Mm-hmm. So as a black woman, that's the the struggle that we have is that one, we're not willing to turn black men in because of like these racist issues but then two it's like unless the victim is a white person it's like whatever i had a guest on the show recently one of my past partners who like she used to do sex work and she had a very very negative experience and so she actually would feel guilty shit because she's pro Mm -hmm. the movement Mm -hmm. she just she had a bad experience she would feel bad speaking sharing her story because she thought it would be bad for the movement so is this like not telling black men thing kind of like well i don't want to hurt the cause yeah well so that's that's the coretta scott king story right so dr king was cheating on her left and right Mm. but she committed to not divorcing her divorcing him because she knew what divorce would mean for the movement so i look at coretta Scott King is like this woman who endured all of this stuff that he was doing to disrespect her as his wife because she didn't she thought of the greater good sure and and so when you think about that it's just like holy fuck you know this woman sacrificed that much I have a friend I actually know two women that were uh sexually assaulted by Russell Simmons one is black one is white the white one won't come forward because she was like look at the optics of it I'm a white girl accusing a black man of rape which she's like i don't want to deal with that myself and kind of what it looks like and so i remember like thinking about um you know some of the work that i've done and realizing that there are a lot of white women who won't come forward about being assaulted or beaten by black men because their families were all like what are you doing with this n-word and you know all this stuff like that and they didn't want their family to prove their family's right mm-hmm. so they remain silent about the stuff that they were experiencing it's it's such a tough negotiation being a woman the things the mental gymnastics we make you know i've never reported any of the men that have assaulted me one because i don't believe i'll be believed and two i don't want it being used against me particularly as a sex positive feminist who's open about sex and sexuality mm-hmm. and things like that the first thing people say Oh, well, you're just, you're just broken and you're fucked up because you were raped. And it's like, mm, not really. That's not it. You know, so I just, it is what it is. And what, and, I, and look, I'm no mm-hmm. scholar on mm-hmm. any of these issues. So I oh, walk okay. into this door very <laughs> ignorantly, but just seems like the, the, way of having to think about optics when you're part mm-hmm. of like one or mm-hmm. several marginalized communities. Yeah. Like I think back to the you know Rosa Parks versus whoever that that chick was Claudette that before. Colvin, yeah, who is still alive and lives she is? in the Bronx. But yes. there you go. It, it, well, that was the woman, and mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong. She was like young, pregnant, mm-hmm. unwed. Mm-hmm. She didn't want to leave yeah. the back of the bus yeah. first. Yeah. So actually, what happened? From the bus, yeah. What happened was yes. Yeah, so she was a teenager, and she ended up becoming 
pregnant out of wedlock and she was the first but she wasn't planted like rosa parks was she wasn't a good poster child no because rosa parks was a plant like she planted herself to defy that because claudette colvin it was an organic situation she was in the front and she didn't want to move and she said i'll never forget this quote she said i had harriet tubman on one shoulder and sojourner truth on the other holding me down i could not leave and she was arrested and it was her case, along with four other women, that went to the Supreme Court. And Rosa Parks worked on that case. Hmm. So that's what a lot of people don't know about that history. Rosa Parks got involved because she worked with, you know, that particular case defending those women, went all the way to the Supreme Court. And that was the case that ended bus segregation, not Rosa Parks' situation. So she went and sat and acted as a plant to spark the movement to increase support for this case they were taken to the Supreme Court. Is that kind of like with Me Too, where like, well, someone who maybe isn't the most appealing to the mainstream population mm-hmm. actually started Me Too, mm-hmm. but hey, um, Alyssa, what is her name? Alyssa, Alyssa Milano? Milano, yeah. That's how dumb I am. Yeah. Um, Alyssa Milano says it, and now, oh, look at this leader of the movement. Yeah, no, so that's, and that's what happened. But one thing I, you know, I, I, I dig about Alyssa is Alyssa will be quick to be like, oh, it wasn't me. Oh, I didn't know. Here's the person and has amplified uh, Tarana. I know Tarana. That's my sure. sister. You know, I love her to death. We're from the Bronx, right? And she's been doing this work for a long time. And she has been able to get the recognition because of people like Alyssa saying, look, my bad. I, you know, I didn't start this. I didn't realize that this was thing. But let's make sure that people know what's been going on. Mm-hmm. There's others that won't do that, right? And it's like, that's where we as Black women who are organizing, this is, again, this is what I talk about in my book, those of us that are organizers and that are using digital spaces to create these kinds of movements, we get so frustrated because we're like, we have been doing this. Why does it take co-signing from a white person or from a man to validate the work that we've been doing? It's not right. So I think, you know, I have some younger folks that look up to me and I'm like, you guys continue to fight. I'm kind of retiring a bit because mm-hmm. I'm tired and I feel like I've done enough. And so I want to focus on uh, not having to set an alarm <laughs> in the an morning. Alarm, focus on your sweats. Focus on my sweats focus and my your, writing. And I have back enough, shots. I have my uh, back shots. <laughs> I have another book proposal to you know to put together. Um, I my dream was always to be someone who could die just writing books. Yeah, somewhere wherever I want to live. I whether it's. Uh, you know, in another country or just, I moved over here because when I first moved to Philadelphia, I moved into like North Philly by Temple. It's very urban and things like that. I moved out to the outskirts because I wanted to live in a house in a quiet neighborhood. I was like, I'm getting old, man. Like, You're I'm not, not old though. No, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not old, old, but yeah, I said, like, I'm getting old. You know, uh, I'm, I'm aging and I'm getting towards this place where, you know, I have this very much like get off my lawn approach to life. Like, I don't have time for this anymore. I go, I have speaking engagements. People come and ask me, well, how do you talk to white people about race? I was like, I don't. <laughs> you know, like, I saved that for my younger brothers and sisters, my folks out there that want to put in that effort and they want to go back and forth or whatever. I'm going to smoke a blunt. Yeah. I'm going to drink my wine. I'm going to watch some Netflix. <laughs> you guys got it. Because I feel like I've done it for so long. Right. So I don't have to. I have a porch. I got to imagine that the fight just ages you at some point. It does. Like, you know, fast. It does. I started realizing the health effects of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being hyper visible on social media, like it makes 
it draws people into wanting to attack you all the time just because you're visible and they feel like you don't deserve it for some reason. There's this whole, like, well, why do people like her? And why is she so popular? What have you done? Right? There's this backlash against people. They say, what have you done to yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. All They're the like, time. well, here's some yeah, Amazon no, no. links. All the time. All the time. No, no, no. <laughs> all the time. So there's this, ba- there's this backlash against people with like blue check marks, right? The verified accounts. And you're like, oh, you know, they give anybody a blue check. And I'm like, you know, you could get one too if you submitted your ID and proved who you were, right? Like people don't seem to understand or that. Or proved you were half important. Proved that you were something, right? I'm a quarter important. Right? <laughs> I you got know, one. <laughs> I, got, I woke up one day and I logged on and I had a verified account. And, you know, it was like, okay, cool. But for me, it's like, yeah, my name is Trademark. So this blue check is nice, but I actually, United States Trademark, like I own this name. So I already know who I am. I don't need Twitter to verify me. But for me, it's like there's a backlash against, you know, people who they think don't deserve notoriety or fame or whatever. And I've never chased fame. I'm like, give me the fortune without the fame. If I can sit in my house and make money and not have to see none of you motherfuckers. That's the life. But unfortunately, (laughs) being a black woman, I have to work harder. Mm. I have to go out there and push my book harder than a man would or than a white person or a non-black person would. So I have to be visible and I have to keep engaging my audience and keep getting people to, hey, subscribe to my Patreon, buy my book, you know, support this thing that I'm doing constantly. But I wanted to be able to do it from the comfort of my own home. (laughs) <laughs> that's what i do now that's yeah. fantastic yeah that's fantastic. what do you think you like uh, okay i got my nice no, little spot here you got, you got your castle got my I, prince albums up there yeah. and you know i'm a vinyl person you see like i'm a record player right there and you got coasters that's I more than coasters. i have I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no hey i got three roommates in bushwick oh, so it's well, you know I, that makes sense although i do have a washer dryer and you're a dishwasher oh like look that. at that you're in bushwick i'm in bushwick where everyone else with my face lives now you're it's absolutely right either that or it's south philly um, it's funny because, you know, I moved to Philly and didn't realize that like washer, dryer, dishwashers were standard, like pretty much. It's like, mm-hmm. if you didn't have one, like, are you even living? Yeah. So I'm coming from New York where I'm paying $1,200 for a one bedroom in the Bronx. And I'm coming down here paying 1300 for a three bedroom house with yeah. a garage and a porch and a parking spot and washer, dryer, dishwasher, all brand new hardwood floors. I was like, man, as a freelancer, right? You could live anywhere. So why live in the city that is draining my soul and my pockets? Do you edit these? Uh, do you want to say something that you don't want on no, air? No, that's fine. Okay. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, you're good. You're good. Yeah, no. What am I going to just be like? Yeah, no. I guess we're following. I'm not going to pull the Holly Randall mistake where I acc- I'll tell you when you get back down. That was embarrassing. <laughs> oh, you're fun. So I was in L.A. a few months ago and I was talking to this woman, Holly Randall. She's a a porn director. Sure. (laughs) So um, I like we're in between the regular episode. and We did like a quick bonus. But in between, she had to go to the bathroom. But I didn't know that's what she was like walking to. So we were talking. I just was like following her around her house. Then she starts to walk to the bathroom. She's like, oh, no, this is the bathroom. I'm like, oh, oh, no, I didn't try to like follow you to the bathroom. But I totally followed her into her bathroom. Um, <laughs> Ooh, I, I don't know the last day I haven't had a drink. But that's just, you know. I, that's how I've been with weed the last like six months. No, me too. Well, I, I used to not smoke weed and all of a sudden I started smoking weed and then I really started smoking weed. I switched to um, edibles and like vaping. 
Um, and so I want to start, like, I, I want to get to a place where um, I'm waiting for Philly to decriminalize this shit. Because mm. once they do, my edible business is going to be sick. That's the next transition? Oh, my god! Edibles, edibles, writing and edibles Listen, and not tweeting. So, right. So here's the thing, like... You know, I everybody does the gummies and the baked goods and things like that. Like, I want to make chicken wing sauce. I want to make like stuff like infused hot sauces and marinades and things like that. Because um, I'm a cook, I, I cook too. So uh-huh. that's you know, I'm an avid cook. Um, I share recipes on my Patreon. Um, but I want to get to. <laughs> I want to get to a place where I'm infusing every fucking thing. Yeah, no, just no. embrace the gaff. Just whatever. I want to get to a place where I'm like infusing everything. I want infused salad dressings. Like I know how to make my own. Salad. I know how to make my own ketchup too. Mm. Like I, I. So I'm gonna take all this fucking cooking skills that I have sure. and infuse that shit with some THC. At 40, you're going to transition from feminism to culinary arts. I'm going to transition into street pharmacy. <laughs> okay. While Ubering. Uh, While Ubering. In your sweatpants. I'm going to do... It's with a big-ass like, sign that says, no, you can't have my phone Oh, uh, no. It's going to be like Uber Eats, but for drugs. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that's going to be... You know Uber mm. will instantly no, the be minute, doing that. The minute that this stuff gets decriminalized like nationwide... nationwide yeah. Oh my gosh. Because like now you go to DC, they got the apps, you can find out where uh-huh. it is. People are delivering stuff. You know, it's great. I've been out to like Portland, Seattle, like, you know, Denver, all these places. I'm like, the industry is here. Like Philadelphia could benefit so much. But will it because like will I'll put it this way, the people who should get to benefit from it, mm. will they be allowed to? Well, that's part of the thing, is like Philadelphia has the highest poverty rate of any large city in the country, right? We're at almost 26% poverty rate. The national average is 13%. Amongst all people or just like people of color? No, everybody. Okay. Um, well, the city is 43.4% black. Sure. A lot of people don't know that Philly is damn near half black. Well, te- all, every time y'all like are doing well in football, they tend to show a lot of white guys in jerseys. Of course, right. So because that's, you know, that's what it is. But the city is almost half black and the poverty rate is the highest of any city with over a million people. And so poverty here is racialized. And when you think about mass incarceration and all of that other shit, it's like Philly has to decide, are we making more money from locking them up or will we make more money from getting you know taxing them on doing the the drug stuff Mm -hmm. and i don't think philly knows what to do with that philly makes the worst fucking decisions for everything i swear on everything i'm like i could solve poverty here in five years if you gave me the resources to do it they don't want to do it when's re-election for mayor in philly i'm it's not so but it's not necessarily the mayor so much as it's like city council we have this really um interesting like our laws what what uh the black and brown workers cooperative call it councilmanic privilege once you become a council person, you're pretty much there until you die. It's hard to vote people out here. Mm-hmm. And so you have the same people doing the same shit. It's really corrupt. And it's hard to, you know, to make anything. And that's kind of why I retired. I was like, you know what? I think I'm fighting. You know, I'm like, a ham- I'm on a hamster wheel. It, it was just getting to me. I was like, nah, ugh. Oh, fuck Twitter. When are you going to run for run for mm-hmm. the office? You want me to get shot? No, I don't know the culture exactly. of Philly. Look at me. No, I'm, so so I get, I've been in I, get for 10 I get years. asked that a lot, and politics just isn't my lane. I want to be able to go 
on Twitter or social media or anywhere and say what the fuck I want. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to have to censor myself for the sake of holding an you office. You think these particular constituents are going to care that you said something mm-hmm. that like some like 25-year-old mm-hmm. white lady blogger no, they didn't will. like? They will because the people that actually show up to the council meetings and the things like that are those folks. Mm. And, I, and I get on the young people all the time. I'm like, you all are like... You, you, you say you want revolution, but you guys don't even show up to the meetings where they have the votes on the things that affect your lives. You know what I mean? I'm like, you can tweet about it and you can chant about it and protest at City Hall. But when they have those precinct meetings and those those council meetings. The boring and stuff. The boring shit that you guys don't want. The zoning meetings. Mm-hmm. You all hate gentrification, but you don't show up to zoning meetings. If you showed up to the zoning meetings, you could shut all of this shit down. You know what I mean? And, and, you're, and you're not doing it. So I, I, I'm like... It's one thing to be grassroots and it's and to be, you know, the face of whatever. But if you're not affecting the policy, ain't shit getting done. And Mm -hmm. I think for me, again, I've kind of gotten to this place where I'm just tired. Sure. So and I don't and I'm just like, you know, maybe I can mentor some other folks. And I do. And I can mentor some younger folks and say, well, look, this is what I think you should guys should be doing. Um, But I just don't have it. I just want to be able to write my books and again, sit on my couch and smoke. weed. That's the other thing. I want to be able to smoke weed. Mm. I'm not giving that up. I'm not going to tell you to. <laughs> you know, like, I'll still tell people to vote for me. Like, I'm going to say she smoked like, some weed and cast right. a vote. Run for, you know, city council. Just don't smoke before you vote because you want to make sure you hit the right button. <laughs> sure but then the like right after, button. you know. It's, you know, like it's, it's there's certain there's certain aspects <laughs> of my lifestyle I'm not willing to compromise. Sure. You know, identifying as a queer person. I have a pride flag in front of my house and uh-huh. on my car. You know, I know that driving around, even when I drive Uber, that it's like it's risky, right? If somebody comes from behind and they see the the flag, is this going to be somebody who's going to want a gay bash, right? Um you just never know. Um, I've already had men like try to talk to me while I'm going into my car and they see the flag and they're like, oh, what a waste of a woman. And I'm like, well, you don't even know what it's representing, but yeah. okay. But you've decided that's so already know you're ignorant. Yeah. So fuck you. You know, so I, you know, having to deal with that stuff, it's like all the stuff that goes into politics, just being a straight white man is enough. Then being a straight black man is enough. Then a straight white woman, then a straight black woman, then a queer, you know, it's, it's like, by the time you get down to where I am, <laughs> yeah. it's like, y'all got it. And I, you know, I live with, I talk, I talk about my mental health all the time. I live with psychiatric disabilities. And so it's like, add all of that shit to it. I feel like I have more power at my fingertips by being who I am online than I would sitting at a city council meeting, being in a minority vote, mm-hmm. you know, um, I respect them though. Like I support like Senator Hughes and Street. They're up there in Harrisburg fighting for us all the time and they get shut down all the time because they don't have the votes. But it's like, I can't spend my life constantly feeling like I'm fighting, fighting, fighting. And I'm not going to get any headway because we're in a red state. Mm-hmm. Like what the hell? <laughs> it's not going to happen. So I don't know. Well, I hope you get to enjoy yourself on the couch a little bit more now. I do. Moving forward. I do. Um, bef- Before we yeah. go, um, are you down to do maybe an extra like, and you, you can yeah, kick me the fuck out if you need to. You're down doing a little 1020 bonus episode no, Patreon. All right. Totally um well well Feminista Jones, where can people find you? Where can they buy your new your new book, your yeah. old books? Yeah. Um, um so somebody asked me the other day, like you have a business card? I was like, I don't need a business card. I'm Feminista Jones. <laughs> <laughs> All you have to do is look me up. And so feministajones.com. I am Feminista Jones on Twitter. 
I am Feminista Jones official on Facebook. I am Feminista Jones on Instagram. I worked on branding really hard, you mm-hmm. know, to be able to lock all of that stuff down so you can find me anywhere. Um, my new book, again, is called Reclaiming Our Space, How Black Feminists Are Changing the World from the Tweets to the Streets. You can go to reclaimingourspace.com. It is out by Beacon Press, um, which is a really great publisher. It's everywhere. Like, you can order it Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, whatever. Go to your local store. If they don't have it, ask them for it. Um, the libraries are picking it up. It's sell out. Somebody in Toronto told me like, I bought the last copy of your book. So it's like selling out places. Um, people are really excited about it. Uh, Barnes and Noble featured it on their uh, Twitter account along with Michelle Obama's book. And like, I was like, what, 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 you know? So, but that's why we put it out now because we could get ahead of black history month, women's history month. So yeah, I mean, follow me on social media, hit me up. You know, I'm always interested in learning um, more about the people that follow me and engaging folks. That's really what it's about. And I just go to my website, feministajones.com and learn everything you need to know about me. Fantastic. Thank well, you. all my $5 and up fan whores, you can hear some more of us uh, talking tomorrow, but for now, why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye. Whores. <laughs> Really, the last thing you should do to any white guy is make him feel special. Don't call me a different kind of white. Now I'm going to think I'm cool. That's not a good idea. This ego is inflated enough. Um, oh, that was so such a fun conversation. I hope you really enjoyed it. Again, the book is Reclaiming Our Space. You should go check that out. Um, let us both know what you thought about this week's episode. You can give us a shout out on Twitter. Uh, she is at Feminista Jones. I'm at the Billy Presida, and you should use the hashtag man podcast. Let us know your comments, your questions, your queries. Uh, I also have a fantastic Facebook page. We post all sorts of fun content over there. Starting to get a little bit more into the memes. You can go like the man podcast on Facebook. Want to send me your comments, your questions, your titty pictures? You can send it on over to manwhorepod at gmail.com. Love getting your email. It's like my favorite thing to wake up to. Become a member of my fan whore community on Patreon. Not only will you be supporting this podcast, keeping a roof over my head, and making it possible for me to take trips to Philadelphia or Las Vegas or California, you'll also receive so many killer rewards. Tomorrow, we have an awesome Bonus episode with Feminista Jones available to all of my $5 and up patrons. You also get access to a a super secret Facebook group called The Champagne Room. And all my $10 members like to send each other naughty photos in the peep show. Become a member today and go to patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. Can't wait to see which city gets activated first uh, for Tour de Manhor. That's pretty dope. I love that it's picking up steam. Today, actually, as I record this, I'm going to be heading over to, to record an episode with the very funny, very dark, very Scottish Daniel Sloss. Start getting psyched for that one, everybody. Um, it's, oh, Jesus, I just saw his new show, Daniel Sloss X, at the Soho Playhouse. So phenomenal. So good. He's such a killer and so accidentally woke. Kind of sort of like yours truly. Can't wait to chat with him next week. But until then, everybody, stay slutty. <laughs>